what you need, you know I got it. This is the Rich Eisen Show. I'll tell you what, man. Got to have it all the time, can't live without it. Uh, uh. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. I'm not talking to you. I talk to anybody out there, the haters. The Rich Eisen Show with guest host Kirk Morrison. He is one of the all-time friggin' greats. Earlier on the show, NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport. Coming up from the Houston Chronicle, Aaron Wilson. Plus, senior writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. And now, sitting in for Rich, it's Kirk Morrison. Welcome into the Rich Eisen Show. Kirk Morrison here filling in for Rich, eight-year NFL veteran. Now, uh, college football, NFL host um, over on SiriusXM. You can find me on a lot of different locations. Um, I'm pretty excited too to be with the guys as always. Brockman, hey, Del Tufo, TJ. Um, I got a couple assignments coming up too. By the way, Del Tufo, some that you may like. Ooh. FCS playoffs. Yes, there oh, is still college yeah. football being played right now. And look, I've, I've been jonesing for football so much. Please, I've been watching these games. By the way, like Saturday, and then my wife's like. Uh, why are you watching old games? Like, no, uh, <laughs> sweetie, these games are actually live. They're being played right now. And so the FCS playoffs coming up. So I got a couple nice. of assignments there. I look forward to it. And I mentioned it a little bit before because last year, my first time doing the FCS playoffs, and they say, hey, you're going to North Dakota. And I'm like, North Dakota. And I've always wanted to go see the Fargo Dome. I wanted oh, to see where man. North Dakota State played at because you only hear about it. You right. kind of see pictures of it. It's the home of Carson Wentz. No one talks about Easton Stick anymore, who was probably one of the better quarterbacks is there as great well. Name, yeah, it's a great name great right name. before he got there. Uh, Carson Wentz got there. But then I said, okay. They said they have this quarterback. Kids thrown like, I believe at the time, he was like 28 touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's a redshirt freshman. He's the next best quarterback He's Carson Wentz, better. He's better than all that. That's all right. Let me go check him out. I'm, you know, and I'm broadcasting the game. And I said, wow. Um, yes, that is an NFL quarterback. Only three years removed from high school. Only played literally just the one full season because of COVID last year. Did not play. Played in one game. Had an outstanding pro day. And so now you have a situation where I had a couple of Zach Wilson games this year. I broadcast. He's another guy. Sat down, had great conversations because I get ready for the game, and I'm like, Zach, you're, you're you got your head on straight, like he, you know, you're a player, like you know, you've got it, you know. He's like, man, look, everything that I'm doing is because the guys who are around me, and look, and he watches The Bachelor too, like he's just a dude. He's like, <laughs> he knows. I'll say, okay, so now you got when you think about quarterbacks now, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, obviously Trevor Lawrence, who's been the first overall pick ever since he walked on to the. Uh, campus at Clemson and did what he did to uh, to uh, Alabama. So, For real. so you already have those quarterbacks that are now in place. You want to see what they look like when they get to the NFL. Yep. They're going to be drafted. It's just about the right situation. Who can be the next? Because I tell you, last year, I think sitting around here post-Super Bowl, coming from Miami last year, right, fellas? Did we expect – Justin Herbert to have the season that he had with the with the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. No chance. Didn't expect him to play. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's true. Didn't expect him to play. It took a what a punctured yeah. lung 
to yeah, like, like a like a por- poorly inserted <laughs> Give him the shot. Into his <laughs> like Travolta in Pulp yeah. Fiction, one of those. Just Tyrod Taylor, right? Yeah, yeah. And now just think about how it goes full circle. Ty Tyrod Taylor, currently right now, is the quarterback for the Houston Texans, along with Deshaun Watson. Amazing. So you think about what possibly could happen. We don't know, but. A guy who I can ask and get some of the questions that I think a lot of people want answered uh, is Aaron Wilson at Aaron Wilson NFL on Twitter. He covers the Houston Texans for the Houston Chronicle. And I guess, Aaron, uh, it's Thursday. Um, what's the temperature today on everything surrounding Deshaun Watson just for today, I guess? Well, you know, obviously it's a very upsetting time for you know, for fans of Deshaun and, you know, for those closest to him. And I've been in touch with, I was actually just on the phone with um, someone that he's in a business deal with. He's also one of his close friends, Lefty's Cheesesteak, Sam Barry, who's the uh, owner and founder of that restaurant chain. And Deshaun is an equity partner. And, yeah, he's been trying to, you know, keep Deshaun encouraged, lift his spirits. It's uh, very upsetting. Obviously, you can imagine what it's like to be accused of, of what he's being accused of. So, yeah, and they're, you know, they're calling him one of the filings. You know, the woman called him a, a quote, serial predator, uh, the 14th lawsuit of the 16th that was filed. All civil litigation, all innocent to proven guilty, no criminal proceedings. And, yeah, this is a man who's, uh, you know, in for the fight of his life. His reputation, his good name is is on the line. And uh, as everyone's told me, yeah, he's embarrassed. He's upset. He's angry. You know, it's frustrating. Uh, talking to his high school football coach, he's you know, very upset. He said he can't even get on social media because of what people are saying. And he's, you know, the, what I'm getting from his inner circle is this is just incongruous with his character and what they know of him. And they are in disbelief. They don't believe the allegations. And they are asking everyone to. Give it time and, you know, let it play out. You know, Aaron, when you first caught wind of this, right, when these allegations, these lawsuits, when all this, uh, you know, started to get stirred up a little bit, did you expect to get to where it's at right now currently, where it seems that you mentioned uh, the lawsuits are piling up, the litigation is now starting to pile up. Did you expect expect it to get this big? No, no, I don't think anyone – thought that he would sign up this many plaintiffs. Uh, the attorney, I'm referring to Tony Busby, former mayoral yeah. candidate, uh, high-profile lawyer here, who's in a legal battle with Deshaun Watson, who's represented by Rusty Harden, Roger Clemens, and Adrian Peterson's former attorney and high-profile guy himself, uh, really actually bigger than Tony, but they're both you know big-time lawyers. Mm-hmm. I thought that what he would face would be you know one case or a few cases, and when I saw Deshaun that evening respond on social media and how he characterized it. I thought, well, maybe, you know, he's going to have some problems. Correct. We didn't think it would get to this depth and that there would be this many litigants. We're only at 16 cases. Uh, Tony Busby in a press conference said he has spoken to 22 women. So he may sign up additional plaintiffs and they're all Jane Doe's because you know, they're, they're anonymous. They have also, uh, you know, his camp, Ryan Bernie, has issued a sworn affidavit uh, that they released saying that one of the women uh, was trying to blackmail Deshaun, acknowledged that they had a consensual 
exchange, and then you know that the woman asked for thirty thousand, they denied it, they didn't meet that, uh, and now they're in a legal fight. So yeah, no, I didn't think that it would get to be this many. I don't think anyone could predict that. The only one that would have really known that would have been the plaintiffs and Tony Busby, and I don't think Rusty Harden, who was you know hired after this situation started to spiral. You know, he's getting his you know, hands around it. He's trying to, uh, you know, battle back. And, you know, in talking to, you know, Rusty, talking to, you know, Deshaun's camp, yeah, they're, they're taking it very seriously. And they're, uh, you know, it's it's a tough situation. Obviously, it's emotional. And one thing, um, you know, that everyone has to respect is the legal process. And no one should, you know, shame victims or, you know, things like that. And they're not doing that. They're just... You know, trying to stick with facts, and I think everybody needs to respect the legal process. And there's a court of public opinion. There's the actual courts, and you know, then there's the NFL investigation, which is parallel. We're speaking with Aaron Wilson, who covers the Houston Texans for the Houston Chronicle, and you mentioned his name a couple times, the lawyer Tony Busby, and he's kind of. I'm looking at his tactics so far and how he has went about this situation and he's going to Instagram he's going to social media and yet you don't actually have any kind of criminal um, lawsuits just yet this has all been sort of civil but just the tactics of Tony Busby has that really caught people off guard as he made this thing really such a public uh, situation that is really smearing regardless of the outcome uh, Deshaun Watson to where no matter what he's almost guilty well, I'm sorry. If you ask that question quickly again, I'll, I'll just return to text. I apologize. Yeah, just his the social media aspect of it, the way that Tony Busby has went about. Why is Tony Busby presented. doing that? Yes. Well, it's it's the equivalent, the modern way of putting an ad on TV. Have you ever seen like, have you uh, you know been injured on the job? Have you had? Uh, have you ever been exposed to asbestos? If so, call the this law firm. Right. It's the same thing. Yeah, and I know that people are saying, oh, "Well, that's we looking looking down on it," but and you know, as as Rusty Harden called it a circus, like atmosphere created by Tony Buzzy. That was his characterization, not mine. It is the modern day equivalent of saying, "If you got a case, hit me up, and we'll talk about it, and then maybe he'll sign them up, maybe he won't." But I, my point is. It doesn't necessarily, if you think about it, it's there's nothing illegal or necessarily even unethical. It'd be the same thing if, you know, whether it's the television realm or social media, it's like a free advertisement. Mm. And that's his social channel, just like he can use his Facebook, and he does use his Facebook account. People might not like it, but that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that. And, you know, I think... That's kind of, I know that it seems like, well, that's crazy, you know, and he does say some things on Instagram that you could say, wow, you know, that's, that's a lot, um, you know, and he, yeah, he offers his opinion. Most lawyers don't do that, but he's a different style of lawyer. He's a guy that had a Sherman tank parked in front of his, uh, actually, I live pretty close to him, uh, except I live in the high rise and he's got some mansion uh, <laughs> like Hal McNair, the Texans owner, but yeah, he had a tank parked out front. You know, he's had a DUI before that he beat. He's also really powerful. He's on the Board of Regents for Texas A&M and some big-time booster for the Aggies sports program. So he wanted them to draft Johnny Menzel. 
this guy is someone that really pushes the envelope and he's incredibly wealthy and he's, you know, he's going to do what he wants. They're different. Rusty and him have a much different style. Mm-hmm. Rusty is a lot quieter and more like low key, uh, just sort of a old school Southern gentleman style lawyer. And I've dealt with Rusty on other things. And yeah, I think he's someone that, you know, they just have a different style. And it, there's actually, uh, and our newspaper's been writing a lot about this, as have I, not as much as our court reporter. Their different styles and the way they approach this case, you know, you really have kind of a legal heavyweight battle here for two of the bigger lawyers in town. And it's a pretty big city. Uh, but those guys are two of the biggest guns. You know, Aaron, I know the Houston Texans cannot comment any more than they already have about what's going on with their quarterback and Deshaun Watson. But from the sense that you get, what what is the feeling that the Houston Texans, the organization, is having, but also the fan base with what's been taking place? Um, you know, with him asking to be traded, there are some fans that, you know, they're they're going in on him. They're, uh, you know, like their attitudes, like, well, you don't want to play here anymore. So, you know, I, I think that's feeding some of the – you know, social media reaction um, because some people are immature or maybe enjoy other people's troubles. Uh, as you can imagine, with some of the more salacious details are being made fun of. And, you know, I've had even, you know, people in the sports industry, you know, they're, they have a laugh about it. And But, you know, I would say, you know, and I actually approach this as a, I've covered Ray Rice, I've covered Ray Lewis. These things eventually do move on. And I'll ask you a question. Is Ben Roethlisberger, in just your first opinion, accused rapist, sexual assaulter, or just veteran Super Bowl winner? What do you think of first? I think we uh, think of the veteran Super Bowl winner first, right? Because that's, Brett Favre? Yeah. Is he a Hall of Fame quarterback, or is he a guy that allegedly sent pictures of his penis to a woman? Yeah, we think Hall of, of fame. the career. Ray Correct. Lewis. Maybe a little bit more of a gray area. Ray Lewis, accused murderer, just Hall of Fame, linebacker, great linebacker, one of the best ever. My only point is, eventually the story changes, but you have to get through all that. I covered Ray Rice. Ray Rice will always be known for the punch because there's a video. He never played again. That's different. That's why I would say where it differs. But Deshaun Watson's going to play football again. And he's not going to jail. This is a civil matter. This can be fixed with money. You might face a suspension. Your trade might be delayed. You might not play football this year. All of those are legitimate scenarios. All that said, there will be a second act for him. And I think by the time he celebrates his 26th birthday, he's playing in a different city in all likelihood. And he's, you know, probably has some sort of you know, image repair in in front of him and an apology tour. But the fact is, this is the passing yardage champion from last year, a three-time Pro Bowl passer. Of course, he's going to play football again, and he'll make it back. But it just started. This is a week old. So now everybody's like, well, what's going to happen? How will this happen? I don't know. But I, I have a good feel for it that eventually the cases get worked out one way or another, they get thrown out or settled or however, or, you know, it gets disposed of, the NFL probably will punish him. They're already investigating. 
they don't let things go despite lack of criminal charges. And then, but I think everybody's just going to let it play all, let it play out because it's going to take a lot of time. These things don't just get cleaned up in a New York minute. We're talking months and months, and it could even be a year. I would just say, as David Cornwell, who represented Ben Roethlisberger, told me this week, Deshaun's going to have to realize you cannot make this thing go any faster than it's going to. When you accept that, and you try to accept that, you know, you're going to be in the thick of this for a while. And that's, I think it's the reality. That really does ring true that it's going to be a long process. He covers the Houston Texans for the Houston Chronicle. He's Aaron Wilson. A couple more minutes with you before we let you go here, Aaron. But obviously you say this is going to take time. And the NFL is still going to keep operating. They still do have a draft coming up. There are still transactions and things being handled, being made. And the Houston Texans, how do they operate with so much right now going on, with just the the chaos of what's going on with Deshaun Watson? How do they move forward, maybe not knowing if they'll have their quarterback available or not? To answer your question, Nick Casario, he has already signed, cut, Tyrod traded mm-hmm. over 40 players and signed Tyrod Taylor. Right. So he's already done all that. And so they have their, you know, stand in for Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson doesn't play for them, he doesn't, Deshaun, obviously, you guys, you know, he doesn't want to play for them. And he said he'll never play another down for these guys. So, you know, where does that leave them? I think, you know, with Tyrod Taylor, you know, if they can't work a trade, and I don't think that they can now because of this situation and you know, teams being you know, really having pause because of you know the allegations. Yeah, I think they've already moved on. They've already done stuff. They traded for Ryan Finley. They have a backup. Maybe they could draft a quarterback. Maybe they sign another quarterback. They'll have three quarterbacks at camp, I'm sure. And the moves, most of them are obviously they didn't have a lot of cap space. A lot of one-year deals, but, you know, if you guys like Philip Lindsay and Mark Ingram and trading for Shaq Lawson and Marcus Cannon and um, adding <clears throat> Kevin Pierre-Lewis and Desmond King. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they've been doing roster moves. It's a bunch of, you know, one-year and two-year deals. The only three-year contract was for their new punter, Cameron Johnston, former Eagles punter. So, primarily, it's a lot of short-term stuff, and they're just trying to, you know, change the culture, make the team more competitive. And they turned over the majority of the roster already. So yeah, Nick Casario has been busy. Uh, they, they're not distracted by Deshaun at all. Mm. I would say, if anything, he's laser focused and he's getting his you know work in. And the whole personnel department, they're busy and yeah, they're not letting anything with Deshaun, his situation, his trade demands, all of those things. No, I, I don't think it's deterred them at all. They're doing their job. Well, Aaron, I appreciate all the info, and I appreciate the time, man. Definitely uh, getting caught up on what's the latest on this Deshaun Watson news, man. Appreciate the time. All right, thanks. That's uh, Aaron Wilson, covers the Texans for the Houston Chronicle. Uh, You can reach him on Twitter or follow him on Twitter at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL. That's a lot to uh, dissect there. I know we'll do that coming up next. Plus, Brockman, he's got the news too. So oh, we got, we got, the, we got yeah. the news, Kurt. And you know what? We got <laughs> some up? insight on your NFL draft Uh-oh. and Don't your and your selection. <laughs> That's going to come up after the break. Stay oh. with us. Well, I appreciate it.
Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, Kirk Morrison here, filling in for Rich Brock Men. Del Tufo and Mr. Jefferson TJ over in the corner here as I fill in for Rich. 844-204- Rich, 844-204-7424. Um, I think it's time to uh, – are you ready, Brock? You ready? I'm ready. All right. Uh, we're going to talk about – we're going to talk about you. Oh, oh, before we get to the news, oh. they want to talk about <laughs> no, me. All no, right. no, we're going to do the All news. Right. Here we go. We're going to talk about you. So last week, we had Uh-oh. Michael Lombardi on. Yep. Who okay. was with the Raiders for a long time. Yes, my guy. You were drafted by the Raiders. Drafted by Mike Lombardi, too, yeah. You were my drafted guy. by right. those. And he mm-hmm. gave us some actually really interesting insight on uh, what went on behind the scenes when it came to your selection. So you ended up being a third-round pick. Yes. You were a third-round pick out of, where did you go to college? San Diego State. San Diego State. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there was a lot of discussion. I was just making sure that you remembered <laughs> Where you were drafted? That basically. Oh, Del Tufo couldn't wait to put some little auto win in the background. I love it. We auto win. I love it. Yeah. That's a little auto win there. Yeah. Okay. There's a raid. Do you rem- <laughs> do you remember what went on? Do you remember the conversations? Did you have? Did you work out for the Raiders? What was the the deal? What was the story behind uh, your pre-draft uh, situation? Okay. There? Story behind my pre-draft uh, situation was um, I played in the Reese Senior Bowl. So the Senior Bowl was down there in Mobile. And the coaching staffs at the time um, were the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were head coached by John Gruden, okay. and then the then Oakland Raiders with head coach Norv Turner. So the team that I was on, we were the North, 
the North team was coached by the Raiders and North Turner. So um, I got a chance to, you know, be coached by the Raiders in that Senior Bowl week and got a chance to know the coaching staff and, you know, a lot of the people that work within the organization. Then you go to the Combine and you see them again, but it's like, hey, I just saw you guys at the Senior Bowl. Right. And so you kind of know them on a first-name basis. And then because I was born in Oakland, California, that's where I grew up the high school at, you're able to do a visit and it doesn't count on the um, number of visits that wow. prospects. Okay. So now I'm three times, okay. yeah, a little loophole. So I even visited with them during the draft process. So now like I'm all in. I'm like, if it, if it, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But, man, I feel so comfortable with this organization. It's crazy. Yeah, so they ended up taking you, let's see. Uh, 78. 78th Oof. overall in the third yeah. round. All right, here's Michael Lombardi from last week Uh-oh, about yep. how it went down. <laughs> Give me a good Al Davis story. What do you got? Come on. <laughs> oh, there's so one? many of them, Rich. You know, I mean, of, you, you know, it's what do you got? The, the best. The, the, well, well, like we were sitting in, he wanted to draft a certain player in the second round, and we fought him for his kid named Jordan Beck. We ended up picking Kirk Morrison in the third. It was a big debate whether we were going to pick him. So when it came time to make our pick in the third, we had an extra third round pick. We said, why don't we pick Beck here? He said, oh, heck, I, I didn't want him in the, I wanted him in the second. I don't want him in the third. But what? What <laughs> that means? Rich, don't ask me to explain, please. I can't. But that's just how that life went. She just went there. Wow. He wanted Beck in the second, and he was in the third. He picked me up. That's, I'll take that. Right? Yeah. No take that. Why, why not? Well, of course, he'll take no that. that. Yeah. I wish he would have took me in the second, but that would have been better. Yeah, it probably would have been what, a little bigger signing. Yeah, bonus. A little bigger signing bonus. <laughs> yeah. A little, a little bit. A little, a little bit different. But did you know cool. anything have you about ever that? Heard, yeah. Have you ever heard that before? Uh, I never heard the Beck story. I heard a different story about the draft in which because the actual Raiders had two picks in the third round. So I knew going into the draft where the Raiders had. They had a first-rounder, second-rounder. Remember, the first-rounder was a friend of mine, Fabian Washington. And he's always the pick that was the Raiders' pick ahead of the Green Bay Packers because right after Fabian Washington came the Aaron Rodgers pick. Right. And so a lot of people always say, oh, the Raiders could have had Aaron Rodgers. Think about it. Could you picture Aaron Rodgers in number 12 in silver and black? He would have been a perfect Raider. Oh, he would Wouldn't he have been yeah, a perfect Raider? Just, just picture that. Ouch. Yeah. Let so it fly. That was, um, he was our first rounder, second rounder, Buddy Stanford route. And then I knew that the Raiders had two third round picks. So when they drafted corner, corner in the first two rounds, I'm like, all right. And there's another team. There's a dark horse team that I, I should have been drafted to. I had so many great meetings with them. I loved everything about them. I'll let you guys do the homework. But in 2005, they were coming off of a Super Bowl appearance. And so I was like, oh, this is perfect for me. They need some linebacker help. Um, I kind of like the uh, linebacker coach at the time who ended up being one of the defensive coordinators who took down the Patriots in a Super Bowl. So I was like, I'm all in. I mean, me and Steve Spagnuolo, I'll let the cat out the bag. But Steve <laughs> Spagnuolo, he was my guy. Like, I'm, you know, phone calls, you yeah. know, we worked out together a couple times in the, in the, in the process. I, little, I thought I was going to the Philadelphia Eagles in the second round. Like, that was – that was where I was slotted to go, and it didn't happen. So once that happened, I kind of went into panic mode, like, what is going on? How am I even in the third round? Like, am I, this is what I've done. And then all of a sudden, I saw the Raiders in their first third-round pick. First third-round pick, I'm like, okay, here it is. 
and they drafted Andrew Walter, Andrew Walter quarterback yeah. out of Arizona State. So now I'm done with the Raiders. I'm like, I, don't even call me. I'm done. <laughs> like, this, this, it's over. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm watching as the draft goes along, and then finally I get that, you know, that five one zero number, which is the area code for the, uh, you know, Alameda, Oakland. And I saw that five one zero. But thing is, I'm kind of scared because. I don't know if this is a family member calling me, trying to talk <laughs> oh, to me. You know what I mean? Right. Because you never know, like all these family like, hey, the draft on what? When are you getting drafted? You know, yeah. family don't know. He's like, hey, when, are you, when are you getting drafted? I don't know. <laughs> and right now you're calling <laughs> me, so somebody could be trying to draft me, and you calling me. But I finally got that phone call, and uh, yeah, went to the, yeah, went to the Raiders in the third round, man. But there's so many great Al Davis stories, though, and I just remember just seeing him throughout my time in Oakland. Who called and you that day? Who made the phone call? It was the secretary, and I always remember she calls, and I'm like, hello? Is, she's like, yeah, is uh, Kirk Morrison available? I was like, yeah, this is him. She was like, hi, this is, um, I forgot her name. I think it was, um, forget, but she was like, this is secretary with the Oakland Raiders. I'm going to patch you through to Coach Turner. And so then, like, you got to think everybody's looking at me right now, like, you know, because you pick up the phone. Right. Yeah. Now everybody's in their room. All so eyes you, on you. And this is what I was talking about earlier when a story is about the draft and that real time reaction with the players is that you can see those moments where they're on the phone with the coach. And I always love Nor Turner for this. He's, he was just, so I get on the phone. It was like, hey, what's up, Kurt? I said, coach, man, how you doing? He was like, uh, you know, you ready to be a Raider? And I was like, Coach, I said, man, I've been a Raider my whole life. And then he was just like, well, yeah, I felt the same way. And we've been doing this for a while and, you know, good chance to know you. And you know, we feel like you're a great fit for us. And and Norv, you know, he kind of hit it in a slick, slick way that he always does is, I guess your little name is going to pop up on the screen at some point. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, yeah, your little name is going to pop up on there somewhere. Wow. Yeah, it's so, going to be down um, literally. Yeah. And so as the whole time, like, you know, your face is still like this. You're kind of be, you're stoic because you're listening and you think it's happening and you think it's happening. And then finally you see your name go across the bottom of that ticker. And like my family. And everybody you have to be. Just, how, what was, it was your body just numb? Oh, man. I, you I, see, I, I, like, I, I didn't cry until like five minutes later, but I did go numb because I didn't believe it would happen. And I literally just went numb. Oh, like what a you just, I, and I locked myself in the closet for about 15, 20 minutes. I literally cried like a baby. I'd run around the street. I'd be crazy. No, I was like just oh, crying because it, it was like crazy. it was so emotional. Yeah, and, that's nuts. And it's like, like no. man, because it truly is like your yeah. football life like passes for like I, like my buddy of mine sent me my Pop Warner tape right a, a Pop Warner video of me playing in Pop Warner, Whoa. and literally I was like in tears laughing at me running around as a little 10-year-old <laughs> getting excited off a of fumble recovery. Like, you know what I mean? I ain't did nothing. I just recovered a fumble, and I got a – and I'm, like, clapping. Like, I got the undershirt just, just longer than my jersey. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have the, the, the Thurman Thomas face mask. Yep. Like, it's just a lot. And I'm thinking, like, all of that it just kind of flashes right before you, like how far you've come into the game, and then boom. When you hit the field it. for the first time, what's that feeling? I mean, what – Again, I cried. Okay, really? I mean, there's you're a, a big baby. It's all yeah, right. We get it. I, well, I cried because I'm going out and there's a preseason game. Were First you in the Oakland? Game it was in o Oakland, in Oakland. Oh, on the yeah. dirt, oh. going against the uh, Arizona Cardinals. On the dirt, and you know, I'm kind of you know, I'm going through the mo you know the motions of getting ready for a game, and I'm walking through the tunnel, and I'm going through 
We say I'm going through the tunnel, but yet I'm like walking past the Oakland Athletics locker room. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Right. Clubhouse. Right down the yeah. Yeah. I know that's yeah. what you're yeah, You get the Raiders locker room, and on the way yep. to, through to the actual field, you yep. walk through the, the Oakland Athletics clubhouse yep. where you may grab a pack of seeds or something if you need it because <laughs> baseball players got tons of seeds. Oh, like, yeah. I, I peeled that curtain back, and they've got seeds, big league chew, everything, whatever you need. Everything you can think of. Baseball snacks are pretty cool, by the way. So shout out to all the baseball players. But I'm walking out. And I remember North Turner again walks by me and said, hey, there you go, man. You could be anywhere else and you're here. And he like took me out of this like focused trance that right. I was in. Like I was already focused, like, here we go. I'm ready to go. And he was like, you could be anywhere else, but you're here. And I realized like I'm literally about to run out of the tunnel in which I sat in the 300 section and with my dad and watched for so many years. And now my dad is doing the same thing, except his son is out there on the field playing. So. Oh. Man. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just I starts mean, balling, and then like uh, and Randy Moss and Warren Sapp and those guys literally said, "I don't know if we can have a linebacker that cries like this." <laughs> <laughs> it's a preseason game, too. It was like, oh, we like I a little big boy, and you know, Warren Sapp is I just see Warren he is not going to hold back any punches. I know he's a great friend of Rich, and he'll tell you like he was like, "Get a big old baby." <laughs> yeah, don't even don't even look at me. Get out of the huddle. Like it was, it was funny, man. Funny, funny. Yeah. Time. Was he? How was that first year with them? Was it was it kind of ruthless, Sap? I mean, think about it. I was I tell a lot of people the stories of, and I, I think I was so lucky. Like my my football journey was different than a lot of other people's. Right? I didn't get a chance to have the walk off retirement ceremony. I didn't get I didn't make the playoffs in my eight seasons, but yet I felt like my football journey was just as full as everyone else's. I mean, I walked into a locker room. That was shared with three Hall of Famers: Warren Sapp, Charles Woodson, Randy Moss. Like that was my locker yeah, room. Yeah, that's insane. Like, I mean, and I had because I was the kid from Oakland. They would gravitate to me, like, "Hey, what's up, Oakland?" And they would ask me questions. Hey, where can I go do this? Where? And so I ended up kind of being like a concierge for a lot of guys <laughs> on the team. Like, you want to go here? Boom. Oh, you need some? Uh, oh, you want Creole food? Hey, I got a spot. Boom over here. Hey, work at a nice Italian restaurant. Hey, go over here. You go to San Francisco. Go to and so those guys would gravitate, and I would just sit there and just talk to them just about football, about life, and thinking about some of the greatest minds, or not even greatest minds, just the greatest players to ever play the game. Yeah. Like Charles Woodson rarely practiced, like didn't practice. So like the first time I saw Charles Woodson, and his locker was next to mine. Well, well, first it was my locker. Then it was locker number two, which was his college locker. And then he had locker 24, which is NFL locker. So he had two lockers. <laughs> I just had one. You know what I mean? Like, I just had my little locker oh, 52. When you're Charles Woodson, you, yeah, you, you get two lockers. lockers. But it would be crazy when you get, like, you know, the extended locker rooms when you have preseason where there's more guys. Yeah. So you put them in an the auxiliary locker room because they, <laughs> they don't get a locker. It, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'm not going to take away Charles Woodson's two lockers, but – like just the wisdom that those guys had, like Charles Woodson next to me. And I remember, cause I was starting as a linebacker, you know, early on rookie year, you know, I started 15 or 16 games and I would just watch Charles like, and I wouldn't say anything, just watch how he prepared. Was he superstitious? Like, is he like that? He wasn't superstitious, but he just never said anything. Yeah. He would just watch and be quiet. He'll go take maybe a rep. Maybe he didn't practice at all. And I'm like, like, this is Charles Woodson. Like he don't really prepare like I do or, but I tell you this, man, on Sunday when they turned those lights on, oh, yeah. oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. Game time. It was, and I'm like, oh, that's why. <laughs> like, it takes a moment for you. And some players are just great when you go up against them or you play with them and you see why. It's sometimes it's not about the, 
what they do. You know, we know say, you know, Tom Brady, you know, he elevates the guys around him. And I probably you could see that with certain players. But then there were certain players who elevated players by their play, not by how they were the first person in or first person out. It was like at the end of the day, Charles was like, if you don't know something, just go play football. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they just go play football. Some people get their mind all, all blotted and, and jotted on, okay, I have to do this and I have to, do, I have to be in this place, I have to be in this place. But if you ever think about the true, like, superstars in the NFL, they just go play football. Like Junior Seau, God rest his soul, was a guy who I looked up to as a linebacker. Junior Seau probably never played truly the scheme of the defense. But he just went to go play yeah, football, yeah. like Ed Reed. Like Ed Reed, yeah. just go. They just you know go play football. They don't. The great players go play football in the NBA. The great players just go play basketball. It didn't matter what Kobe, Kobe Bryant, what offense he ran. It was just, just give me the ball. Give me the ball. Yeah, I'm just gonna play basketball. Get out of the way. We're Get good. out of the way. Where some yeah. guys got to yeah. run into, you know, a certain offense. They got to do this. They got to do that. And then even in baseball, same thing. I mean, some dudes are just a baller. See ball, hit ball. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry to bring up Mookie Betts. I know you're uh, there, but you know, <laughs> still hurts. It doesn't matter what it yep. doesn't matter what still you know hurts. league you're in, American League, yeah, National totally. League. He just hits, just Boom. ballers. Got it. You talk about way, Charles Woodson real quick, but yeah. I know we got to get the break, and then I want to talk about uh, one of your former teammates uh, in the next segment. <laughs> yes, that I've been talking about this week. Um, you mentioned Charles really didn't say much, didn't practice much. Who is on the other end of that spectrum? Who? Who among those Raiders teammates was outside of Sap? Obviously, like mm-hmm. the big talkers wouldn't shut up. Was like really, really got outside. a lot out of practice. Never missed a rep, et cetera, et cetera. I think outside of Sap, um, like just the, the, the like the big talkers, like guys, yeah, big big talkers, guys who are big practice players. Like you know, whereas you mentioned Charles Woodson, never practiced, never said a word, and but still played. You know, obviously on um, the same level on Sundays. One one of my great teammates. He's a former All Pro. One of the best corners that I know I had seen. I played with him and I watched him. Now he's turned Broadway actor, is outstanding actor. But Namdi Asamoah is a mm. guy who, for people who don't know the name, they remember him from his time from being a Philadelphia Eagle, where he was one of the biggest free agent signings. Didn't really work out in Philadelphia. But when he was in Oakland, when he was with the Raiders, when I watched him, the way that he prepared, he had these notebooks, fellas, like the notebooks, and they were so in depth. When I say in depth, it was like, okay, offensive coordinator. Um, I'll just throw one out there. Just say, hey, uh, Greg Roman, okay, for Baltimore. It'd be Greg Roman, college he went to, other offensive minds he studied under, studied under, favorite play, quarterbacks that he's had. Jeez. What they? I mean, it was like mind blown to a point where mm-hmm. I was like, that's too much information. He was a cow <laughs> guy too, so right. I was like, it's just too much. Like, I just want to go like like Charles said, just go play football. Go play you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah. Wow, that's, that's crazy. crazy. It's a lot, yeah. I mean, I got a lot, a ton of stories, man. I can still continue to share some, but you want to know about a particular uh, yeah. teammate of mine. I want to know yeah. about yeah. one teammate in particular that we're going to get to mm. after the break. After, after the, break. the break, there it is. After the break. Kirk Morrison in for Rich. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Hey, don't forget the calls, by the way. 844-204-RICH. 844-204-7424. Back in a minute. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung. And that means spring cleaning. Or at least... 
The partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Welcome back into the Rich Eisen Show. Kirk that, Morrison. Has that ever happened to you, Kirk? We saw that clip uh, for the Peacock audience about yeah. uh, Sean Payton. They thought he overslept because the NFL Network was showing some old B-roll. Oh, has that wow. ever happened to you? Maybe on game day or something where <laughs> your alarm didn't go off or you set, set it for p.m. instead of a.m.? Wow. So you, a quick story. You ready? I, I got a lot of stories. Let's go. Okay, here we Let's go. go. So quick story. So my Friday routine, all right? My Friday routine in the NFL was you had your you know morning workout, okay? Then you have practice. And Friday is usually what they call Fast Friday. You get in and get out. So practice usually starts at 11. You're out of there by 1230. Boom. And so for me, my regiment after practice was, um, you know, quick cold tub and, and, and hot tub, all that. And then I would go get my back adjustment, you know? I would go get, you know, see the, go see the chiropractor. I would get uh, my massage as well on Friday. And then after that, I would go get a haircut. After I got, well, this is when I had oh, the hair. Back then. Yeah, back then. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll go get my haircut and then I would go grab a meal. So like Friday was like the one night where I kind of, you know, kind of got off the diet just a little bit, but it's just one little meal. Yep. And so I remember I was just exhausted from that week. I think one of the linebackers was down that week. And so um, I'm, I'm in Buffalo. So one of the linebackers are down. And I kind of just did double reps. I wanted to do double reps because I wanted to make sure I was ready to go. And I believe, I want to say we may have been playing in Miami or playing against Miami. I forget. It was going to be a little bit warmer than normal at that time. So <laughs> I always remember that. Here I am, got my whole checklist done. It was like a record day for me because, like, the haircut was on time. <laughs> my suits on time. You know what I mean? Um, you know, the, my chiropractor's on time. So the chiropractor and the masseuse were all in, in the same spot, too. So I just went into the office. Everything was done. My haircut was waiting on me. I'm done. My food was already waiting on me. I'm done. So I get home and I eat. It's about 5.30, 6 o'clock. And I just I scarfed it all down. I'm good. But I was so exhausted. I had my, my, my chill clothes on, right? You know, you got just your comfortable clothes at home. And I just fell asleep. Fell asleep. Literally fell asleep. And all I remember was that I woke up. 
and I looked at my phone and it said 752, right? And I'm like, oh my God. I had like literally my heart sank. I got eight minutes to get to the facility. <laughs> I am, I'm talking about, I am moving. I am running. I'm like getting all my stuff together. I get my backpack because you got to think it's in, in <laughs> Buffalo. It's dark. And so in the morning, it was still dark early. So I'm like, I got to go. So I'm running. I get everything, put my backpack on, had all my stuff. Like I'm literally half dressed. I'm putting a shirt on. I go to the parking lot. Okay. I get to the parking lot. As I'm about to take off in my car, I looked around. I had four other teammates that lived in this condo with us, right? In the condo, in the, in the complex. All their cars were still there. I'm like, Wait, what? Like his car's, like, I'm, I didn't realize. And I looked at my phone, because your phone doesn't say AM or PM at the time, right? The no. iPhone, it didn't say it. And I realized <laughs> it was 7.52 PM <laughs> and not 7.52 AM. I, ha I mean, literally, I'm fully dressed <laughs> in my car, about to put it in drive, and realize that it is. That nap got you. Sometimes yeah, you that, get into that, those but deep, yeah. nap deep sleeps. Nap. Yeah, deep yeah. naps. So, yes. So, it, has that happened before? Yes, it's happened to me. And trust me, I still remember how my heart sank that day. Like, it was, I was terrified. I think more so because of the fine. You know, you miss. A mandatory meeting at 8 a.m. That's a nice piece of change. Like what I are think, we what are we talking back then? We're talking. I think uh, you miss a mandatory meeting. It's like five grand. Oof, oof. You know what I mean? And then, but you got to think they can hit you for each meeting that you miss. So if you miss the special teams meeting at 7:15, that's five. Then you miss the team meeting at eight. That's another five. Then if you miss the uh, what is it? Position. I mean, the uh, offense defense meeting. Your defensive meeting. You miss. That's another five. If you miss your individual meeting, that's another five. So you can rack up about twenty five to thirty like this, like that. And then if you're late to just anything that you're supposed to be at, it's another. So and if you're a rookie, that might be your whole, whole sound, your whole right. week. Oh, I knew some guys who played for free. The NFL, you like, but those those fines are within house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those don't get released to the public. But I know oh, some guys oh, who play wow. for free. Yeah, like Ooh. there's a, the NFL fines. Like, oh, this guy got fined for you a face those. mask or, say, yep, yeah, you know, yeah, personal yeah. foul. But I knew some guys who were playing for free. Just because they couldn't show up on time. Shouldn't show up on time. Especially because the rookies, you got to lift early. So you got to be there at like 6.30. Paying for food for the week. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> because oh, my like, gosh. That's mean? crazy, Kirk. Yeah. That's real. All right, real quick, Kirk, because yeah. you know, we talked about, uh, we, we teased it, and you mentioned that that story that, just took place in Buffalo. You happened to play in Buffalo with the Amish rifle, Ryan Fitzpatrick, yes. who I think someday should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame for all that he's accomplished in this great league. Do you have what, – what was the experience like watching Ryan Fitzpatrick play quarterback for Buffalo those two years? Any good Ryan Fitzpatrick stories? Because – We've seen the outfits. We know the beard. Right. We know how smart he is. Obviously went to Harvard. <laughs> what, what, do you, what can you tell us about the great Here, Ryan Fitzpatrick? Here's well, what I could tell you. I wish Don Bowie wouldn't have cut away from Kirk's reaction when you said <laughs> what you said. Did you see the look on this man's face when you said Ryan Fitzpatrick? <laughs> Kirk was like, what? And then Don cut. But yeah. go ahead. You can tell him what you think, Kirk. This uh, guy. I don't know. Hall of Fame? I mean, come on, man. Stop. <laughs> but this is part of what I think we should all get a petition for. There are like certain players, not necessarily should be voted in as for performance 
for the Hall of Fame, but there should be a wing yes. in the Hall of Fame for <laughs> certain careers but or characters. characters, right? There's yeah. certain guys you like. Sure. Man, because if you mention his name, you're like, oh, that dude's a Hall of He has a yeah. Hall of Fame moment or a Hall of Fame-type career. Yeah. First of all, Ryan Fitzpatrick, shout out to the fellow 2005 draft class. Another one of those guys, too. Still going. Still going. Still going. So he and Alex Smith and Aaron Rodgers, by the way, look at those quarterbacks. That's one that? of the reasons why people love quarterbacks so much. But anyway... Um, my Ryan Fitzpatrick stories are – it's a little bit different. Ryan was a guy who – he owned every flannel. Like, he just – like, you could never <laughs> – he's, oh, he's a flannel guy. He's flannel. He's cowboy boots. He's everything. This is, I mean, this is a kid who grew up in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. And just, I think, being around him uh, was just a cool dude. And I remember we sat down a couple – three, four years ago. I remember he was Jameis Winston's backup. In Tampa. People forget that. And I said, Ryan, you're not retiring? You're not done yet? He says, Kurt, they keep calling me. <laughs> it's not like he's going out saying, hey, I want to do this. He's like, teams call him. And he was like, look, and if they, if they want me to play, I guess I'll play. But he was like, man, I, I kind of want to retire at times. But then it's like the money that they're asking me, I, was, I can't turn that down. But he was like, when I say the funnest, one of the funnest guys to be around, you would never know he was a Harvard grad. He's just a dude, and That's I cool. love being around that dude, man. Like seriously, I wanted to play for him. I mean, I love playing for him, but I just hope that, like, at some point, he does get that type of recognition. Maybe not Hall of Fame, but no. I think the recognition of how good of a football player and how many different teams he played for. Right? We'll see. But uh, outstanding dude, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. So, so keep that going. And now you mentioned teams keep calling him. Yeah, teams keep calling him and throwing ten million dollars at him. So yeah, of course, turn it down. <laughs> of course, you're going to keep playing. What do you think he's going to do in Washington this year? Because I think that they have a real potential to not only win that division, but right. be a real exciting kind of red zone type team. Where oh gosh, Fitzpatrick's in the red zone. Let me just flip over and see what's going on there. That's the stuff that makes him great. I think that's why teams keep calling him because they know the preparation. They know that. He gives you a chance to win if he's out there starting, if he's out there playing. But then at some point, you always say, is it truly the future? Is he no. a guy that you can wrap your arms around? And now, look, he's just a year-to-year guy. Yep. I think he will be a great coach. You saw what he did with Tua last year, how many moments. You know, the times he was mic'd up and telling, hey, Tua, you got to do this and do that. He plays with a great anticipation. Um, but he is just uh, – I mean, you know, there's times in the locker room where – you know, he'd walk around with just his jock strap on. You know what I mean? Well, he's like, like the Deshaun Jackson thing where yeah. he came out wearing Deshaun's shirt a couple sure, yeah. years ago. But that's, that's Fitz, though, yeah, man. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, and then he when he first started taking that beard and just letting oh, it grow, I that's mean, just that just became who he was. It's amazing. So, 59-86-1, guys. Let's see so, that. We'll see. Like, he played for a lot of teams, and that's what I'm seeing right now in the NBA is guys switching teams. Guys aren't going to be with the same team, and that's why I want to ask Chris Mannix. He's coming up next. We'll ask him about the trade deadline. 